as a sport culture, we've gone miles from where things were 10 years ago. There's still so much work to be done and so much room for growth. Hey guys, welcome back. And on this episode of Your Story, we're dedicating it all to mental health in sports and also in life. Nicole Harnish, a standout athlete in high school and at Northwest Missouri State, turns her love for competition into a love to help others become successful. She's a sports psychologist that started her own business, Complete Phenom. Her goal? To help athletes across all ages, skill levels, socioeconomic status, to feel empowered to reach their full potential in sport and in life. We'll start with Complete Phenom. Um, how, how long has that been operational for you and how's it been going? Yeah, so uh, I think it's going on two years or maybe a little more than two years. I think I, I think I started it in maybe April of like 2020. So we're going right on two years. Um, and I previously before that started uh, a business with a, like a group of practitioners um, right after leaving Northwest and around that time, kind of right in the right around the beginning of the pandemic, I decided to go out on my own. Uh, which was a super scary, scary move to make for sure, especially right <laughs> right as COVID was starting. And we're like, we have no idea what this looks like. But yeah, uh, it's been going really well. I've really surprised myself, honestly, with uh, the growth that I've seen over the last couple of years. Um, and I am constantly looking for ways to make this uh, like my full-time gig, I guess. So starting a business is, you know, the scariest piece is like supporting yourself through that process, as, especially as a young person. And I've had to work pretty hard, I think, just to like keep my feet under me while I've gotten this going. Um, and I would say I'm about like halfway there to having like enough clients for this to be a full-time private practice for myself. So at the beginning, it was, it was like a few kids here and there and try to get out and talk to teams when I can and just like any avenue for networking and advocating for like mental health with athletes and the performance end of things. And just slowly over time, I think, I think now word of mouth is, is my best marketing tool, which is a great, it feels good to be in that position where I'm getting like referrals from, from clients and parents of clients. Uh, Cause I feel like it's a, it's a reminder that I'm, I'm getting to do some good work, which is exciting. Sports psychology is your background and everything, just kind of looking and doing some research before, you know, talking to you. Um, what kind of led you down this path of kind of wanting to make this difference like you're setting out to do? Man, I feel like that goes all the way back to like my childhood. Um, so when I was 10 years old, my family moved from Iowa or from Chicago to Iowa. Um, and it was like a huge culture shock. And uh, sport at that time in my life and honestly my whole life has was like a huge it was a huge piece for me um, and I knew when I was like 12 that I wanted to study psychology I just thought that you know human behavior was really interesting and brains are really interesting and I liked helping people and working with people so I was like this is cool I want to check this out uh, and as I got older and sport just continued to be a huge piece of my life. I was like, man, I really want to pursue psychology, but I don't want to let the sport piece go. But I also don't want to just be a coach. Not that being a coach is like just a coach, but I was like, this isn't, that's not a fit for me. That's not what I want to do for my whole life. Um, and that's kind of where I found sports psychology, just like marrying the two together into the perfect 
perfect little combination. Um, so as I was like nearing my senior year of high school, uh, I was a really anxious athlete. I'm an anxious person, probably just in general, but definitely on the sport and the things I was always really anxious and could never really figure it out. And um, we didn't really have a lot of access to to services like this or any access to services like this where I lived in Iowa. It was super rural. I had to travel to like Des Moines or Iowa City to to get to any good doctors, uh, to play club sports, et cetera. I always had to go like two or three hours out of my way to do anything like extra. Um, so I didn't really, I didn't really know what it was until I got to Northwest. And then um, I just knew, I was like, this is interesting, but I don't really know what it is. <laughs> so yeah, I got, I got to Northwest and, and started kind of dabbling in the, the sports side classes that were offered. And um, it's as, as I continued with my own athletic career and it started to play a bigger and bigger role as time went on and the stuff that I went through as an athlete, I was like, this is, this is truly where I belong and, and the work that I want to be doing. How much did that help that you were kind of on that journey yourself as a student athlete in five years at Northwest kind of researching the topic, but you're also living the topic at, at the same time. You're going through the exact things that you're reading about, you're researching. Did, did that help kind of create this vision more for you? Absolutely, because it just uh, it, it it like validated the, the work, I guess, um, and it it helped me feel more enlightened as a as a person and as an athlete, and like really just connect with myself and understanding like what was going on with me um, and what that experience was like. And and by the end of my career, you know, I had gone through so much with injury and surgeries, and it was one thing after the next for for five years. Um, and by the end, I, like, I was really disappointed because I had some pretty big goals for myself going into college and, and was just nowhere near by the time I finished. Like when I finished that fifth year, it was like everything I could do to get back to, to where I ended the previous year because of the, the nature of the surgery and that last kind of round of injuries that I had. Um, but I was able to eventually check in with myself as I started to do the work that I'm doing and the, the, the kids and the athletes that I'm working with, like, wow, if I hadn't gone through all that stuff, there's no way I would understand what these people are going through, or, or at least I wouldn't understand it to the degree that I'm, that I understand it now. Um, so that's been pretty big, a pretty big uh, factor for me, I think. What would you say is maybe the biggest challenge that you went through in, in college? Was it the injuries and trying to bounce back or be, the same, if not better than you were before, or kind of maybe the, the mental approach of having to continually have the injuries pop up and trying to overcome those two. I think it's hard to pinpoint like what the biggest challenge was because there are many challenges. Um, I think that that just like comes with the territory for any college student in general, right? Like that's a big step, especially if you're moving away from home you're getting settled into a, a new place with new people, new routines, new everything. And then you add that like extra layer of being an athlete and um, or any, any type of performing art honestly also falls into this category where there's like that extra pressure on top of the regular pressure. Um, and I, I honestly think that probably the, probably the toughest challenge is just the, it was the recurrence of, 
the recurrence of injury and constantly feeling like I'm like always trying to catch up. And I had a couple years where I got to see like huge strides in my strength and my performance. Uh, and it was a little heartbreaking to get to the year. Like it was like the end of my season before my last season. So the end of my redshirt junior season, I guess you would call that. Uh, when I found out that I was going to have to have some pretty major hand and wrist surgery and I really need my hand and wrist to throw stuff. So I was <laughs> like, this isn't good. This is not good. Um, and I think that's, that's probably where I started to notice like how that really was impacting my own mental health. Like in addition to just the sport side, like I was so sad in between those injuries and um, cause it, you feel kind of hopeless at times where you're like looking at where you're at uh, like going from, you know, being able to do crazy things in the weight room to trying to do like a finger web in the training room, right? Like that, <laughs> that makes things hard. Like it's hard to open doors. Like I remember that just being, um, a pretty scary, a pretty scary experience. And maybe one of the toughest challenges I went through in college, maybe. <laughs> <laughs> um, along those lines, um, how did expectations maybe impact you during your athletic career too? kind of that part of the, you know, the mental challenges that kind of athletes have to go through and kind of fight through is whether they're internal, external, both. Did, did that weigh on you too quite a bit along with the injuries or where does that kind of fit into everything that you continue to work on too? Yeah, that's a great question. Expectations, man. Uh, I think, you know, growing up, I probably put more expectations and pressure on myself than I was actually getting externally. It's almost that like perceived expectations, right? Where you feel like you feel like the people around you and the community around you is setting these expectations and that if you don't meet them, like you're failing or you're, you're, you're disappointing people. Um, and as you get older, you learn to kind of fact check yourself and figure out like, what are the true expectations that are, that are around me? And like, what are the expectations I've set for myself? Um, I grew up in like a family of athletes, just a lot of division one, division two, football, baseball, grandpa, dad, uncles, like all of the, I guess all the men in my family were all super athletic um, and just that was just kind of expected. So that was the expectation, I guess, when for myself and my siblings um, was that you were going to compete at whatever you were going to compete in and that you were going to be good at it. <laughs> <laughs> so I, I think that uh, that played a really big role. Um, but what was amazing as an athlete at Northwest and like the community and the family that I created there was that like as those as like my perception of the expectations I had and how that impacted the way I was performing and the way I felt about myself as a person, as an athlete, um, my coaches were so supportive in helping me figure out like how to navigate that path and like readjusting expectations after injury. Um, that was a huge piece of this that I couldn't, I couldn't have done that by myself. Um, like, Joe Quinlan was a huge piece of that. Uh, Emily Peterson, I know she's not coaching anymore, but she was a huge, huge role in me being able to like navigate that. Cause 
even as a person that was like trying to, you know, I was studying that stuff. I was trying to figure out how to do that for other people, but it's a lot different when you're trying to apply it to yourself. How hard is that to, you know, you're sitting here researching like, oh, I can help them. or trying to help them. But it's also you have to help yourself too if you're in that situation. How difficult was that? Or just kind of what was the eye-opening along that journey too of, wow, this is, this is me or, hey, that fits what I'm doing and stuff like that? Absolutely. Um, you know, through college and like my earlier 20s, I think it was challenging to accept that uh, – it's not the same to help other people and apply what I'm doing to work with other people as it is to like work with yourself. And there's, yes, there's always things that you can do to support yourself and work on yourself and continue to learn and grow. But at the end of the day, it looked like, okay, you're a mental health professional. Like you need therapy as well. Like you've got to be able to, to step up and identify like, what are the challenges that have, you know, been, been big in your life and how do you process those and compartmentalize so that you can continue to take care of yourself and be, be a better helping professional because you're taking care of yourself too. Um, I think that piece is not talked about enough. Um, I remember touching on it, like maybe in like principles of counseling, I don't know, like early in my undergraduate career about how I think we had an assignment to like go to a Northwest counselor for like two appointments and see, you know, what that experience was like so that you could, so that you could know what it was like on the other end of things. Um, but it took me until I was maybe 24 or 25 to, to start like getting into therapy and taking it seriously as a piece of my own, like recovery as a human, um, as a mental health professional if that makes sense. <laughs> yeah, no, absolutely. Um, kind of reading some of the testimonials that you had on your website too. Um, one of them was the college football player that was kind of trying to find where I guess he belonged at after college in that sense. And I feel like that's a big piece that maybe people don't think about a lot too is once college is done for a lot of athletes, that's kind of, that's the end of the road. I mean, that that's kind of the, no one, there's no real preparation for like, what's next? What's my identity now? Is that, is that part of what you try to help people with too, is you're not just the athlete you were for the four or five, six years, depending on injuries and now the COVID year, yes. but you're more than what you have been since you were 18, but I would, I would go back to what you've been since you were 12, 13 years old, probably too. Yes. Yes. Uh, that is a huge part of the way that I work with, with clients and athletes and performers. Like, Hands down, I, it's, it's one of the first things that I talk about when I first start working with an athlete, whether they're like 10, 11, 12, or if they're, you know, in their 30s. Like, it doesn't matter what age you are. Um, that's the huge piece of being able to perform is understanding that uh, you are more than just that piece of your life. And for a lot of athletes, like, that's, that's how you identify, right? Like, it's a huge piece of who you are. Um, and when your career comes to an end, it's like a shock to the system because you're like, what really am I now? Like, how do I figure this out? And if you haven't done any preparation in identifying like what you value outside of sport and what interests you have, hobbies you have, like how you're going to carry that over into the way it affects the rest of your life, like finding value in, in 
connecting what you've done and how you've built your character and yourself as an athlete to the way you work in the world and be in the world and treat other people. Um, that's a huge piece of sport that definitely gets left out a lot. Uh, I'm, I'm, I would say I'm pretty passionate about that piece for sure. What is it like, I guess, for your, for you on, on your side to kind of show people that, that, Hey, once practice or once this game's over, you're still you there. There's more to what is that? Can that be challenging to kind of connect with somebody on for a little bit? Cause that has been the identity for so long that maybe they don't believe what you're saying. Like, yeah, no, I'm just solely a baseball player, solely a softball player, whatever it may be. Yeah. Um, it can be challenging. And I think that, I think that it comes with challenging those athletes or those performers too. Uh, and finding the right like exercises to do with them um, to get them to see, like take a step back and look at the bigger picture uh, so that they're able to see themselves as a whole person. And if they are, if they are truly seeing themselves as, you know, 75% an athlete and nothing else or 25% everything else, then it's working together to find like the common ground so that, I can support them in like putting more of themselves into other pieces of their life. Um, but I think the biggest way to connect with athletes in doing that is helping them to understand that they will be a better athlete and a stronger performer by doing that. Because when we're able to put value in the rest of our, in the rest of ourselves and the rest of our lives, uh, we we, we don't feel as much pressure to perform. And when we don't feel as much pressure to perform, we perform better. Um, so I think that that's really where I get the buy-in um, with athletes and performers is being able to, to connect that. Like, hey, I know this feels weird because you, you feel like you need to be 110% all in as an athlete to be the best athlete. But the reality is that we could perform at a higher level if we spread ourselves around rather than just putting our whole selves in one thing, because that's when we, you know, if we have one mistake or we, we fail at one goal, um, that's where, that's where we see those like epic <laughs> crashes of, of selves, I think. Yeah, along those lines with that, because I think a lot of people see the professional athletes and, you know, some of them you look at, you know, what Kobe Bryant's workout regimen was and the, the Tom Brady type of stuff where, they're in the gym 4 a.m., 5 a.m., and that level is almost hard to figure out. But, like, as a college athlete, high school athlete, you're like, man, I have to work all the time. I have to be there 24-7. But those guys, the professionals, have a plan. Is that part of it, too? Of They know they, they've got a healthy – maybe – they got a healthy balance of work, 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 but also who I am at the same time. Is that part important to kind of – relate and you know tell clients that hey you cannot work everybody but you got to make sure that you have balance in some part of your life that you aren't just solely whatever you are during practice from five to eight or whatever it is mm -hmm. yeah um that the planning piece is huge i think on all levels of of sport is that you're able to identify uh it, it almost helps you compartmentalize too right like if you know you've got a plan for your off-season training or your in-season training, your diet, your exercise, your practice, then you can square that away and allow yourselves the extra space to focus on other things. Um, 
and that can be hard to do to do right like it's hard to turn off the switch sometimes so there's like tools that we have to learn to be able to like turn off that switch and, and re-engage into something else and be really mindful about how we do that uh, but the planning piece is definitely really important um, and goal setting around that too it's like planning but also setting goals not just for sport but for the rest of your life too so that we feel like more invested in in doing that and following through like with those parts of our our life i'll ask you then um getting the flip the switch on, on and off what, what worked for you to kind of maybe check in then check back out of that competitive mentality or maybe you don't check out of the competitive mentality but how do you balance how do you balance that uh, I would say that it has changed over the course of my life. Like there were different ways. There's, there's different ways that I've had to do that in different areas of my life, I guess. So like as a younger athlete, a high school athlete, I was terrible at that. I would, I would like stay up until three o'clock in the morning, just like replaying entire like games or matches, tournaments, whatever. Like you just turn it over and over and over and you pick out every mistake that you made and and you're trying to correct it. Um, but also you're like feeling the turmoil of the mistakes over and over again all night. So like, I wasn't good at that when I was young. Um, it took a lot of, uh, a lot of, I would say discipline to get to a point where I could shut it off. And part of that for me in college was like keeping a really detailed and specific training log. Um, Training logs are not for everybody. Some people hate sitting down and writing things down. For me, it was a really good way to like process what I was doing uh, after practice, after weights, also to celebrate things if things went well. Um, and then I would be able to like look back on that if things were you know not going well. But I was able to come up with like a routine that was very clear, like, okay, after practice, after a meet, you're going to identify all the things that went really well for you, identify all the things that you want to work on next time, be really specific about how you phrase the language so that it's like what I'm going to do versus what I'm going to not do. Um, and then you like close the book and you do something mindful afterwards to, to shut it off um, so that my brain can't just like keep going. Uh, I think as I've, as I've started working, however, it, it looks a lot different. Um, like when I was working at uh, Clorinda Academy before it shut down, <laughs> when I was yes. working at Clorinda Academy in college, uh, I, had, I had the same, like a similar problem to what it was like in high school, right? Like I would go to work and, and spend time with these, with kids that had been through like a tremendous amount of trauma and just so much stuff like I at the time I was like I can't even imagine what it's like to be this person and so I would go home and and just like take it with me just continue to think about it and turn it over and, and have a really hard time so that was like an an obvious way to me that was like hey now I can use this in my life I can use this switch flipping skill in my actual life so that I'm not taking work home um, and at that time it looked like you know finding a place in my drive home where I made a decision like, okay, when you hit the bridge on this part of your drive home, you're going to leave it there. And then when you're on your way to work the next day, you can pick it back up there if you want to. But it's, it's definitely some discipline and kind of roping in a lot of different, you know, tools to get to that place. I, I think in the last 10 years, probably I say that, and it's, there's still a long way to go, but um, the, the stigma around 
talking uh, about the mental health part because we we have all seen kind of the stories that go national about you know college athletes and mental health and everything too but how far do you think it's come just in people willing to talk about it like there's a difference between you know having an off day but also understanding that hey I need to you know talk some things out and work through some stuff to help me you know improve I I guess my my day-to-day just how have you seen just the openness of all this kind of unfold from I guess you know early time to where you are now I would say you know as a as a as a sport culture we've gone miles from where things were 10 years ago there's still so much work to be done and so much room for growth but you know, we're seeing so many people step up and tell their stories with, you know, struggling with their own mental health issues, whether it's impacting their performance or their life. Um, And that's an amazing thing, you know, and I think it helps people be able to like look at athletes and realize like, oh, they're a person too, because society has these crazy expectations, especially on professional and, you know, division one high level athletes, um, that they're just athletes and they're not people and they don't feel stuff and they don't have issues and struggles. And so I think it's a, I think it's an amazing thing that we have so many people, you know, stepping up and being willing to uh, share about what their experiences are so that it can really like reduce that stigma and allow people the opportunity to say, Hey, me too. Like I'm work, I'm struggling with that too. Uh, who can I talk to? Where can I go? What are the resources? Um, and being able to like share those with people. That's, that's huge. So I think it's come a really long way. Um, you know, especially thinking when I was younger, I remember like my dad really meant well when he told me stuff like this, but he would like tell me that my anxiety was like a self-fulfilling prophecy, right. That I was just like making myself anxious by telling myself I was anxious, but I was so anxious. I was getting like these terrible stomach aches before games. And like, I was, I was like sick, like physically sick before competing and so you get to that point and and he's a he's a he's a football coach now so it's been amazing to see that's kind of I guess a way that I can track that is being able to see how my dad like handled that when I was young versus where he's at now and he's gotten to kind of like grow alongside me even as I've learned and and gotten to where I am because I'll share information with him to help him support his athletes and get them get them resources that they need to support their mental health and he's in rural Iowa. So not a whole lot of, you know, accessibility to services out there. So uh, it's definitely getting better, but we still have work to do. <laughs> Before I let you get out of here, um, first off, I think it's awesome what you're doing kind of when, when I found it and everything and I, you know, wanted to get in contact and just kind of have the conversation with you, but how can people get in contact with you if they, if they want to know more and, you know, reach out to you too? Yeah. Um, well, an easy way to get in contact is for sure. Like my website, I know it has a contact form, um, any of my social media, I, I believe my website is just simply completephenom.com. Pretty easy to access. Um, so there's a contact form there. Uh, I'm really open to just, you know, checking in with people or having conversations about what it looks like to work together. Or if maybe you are not a great fit, I'm happy to provide resources for, you know, other other people in the community that are available or accessible to talk about this stuff. Um, So yeah, I mean, phone, email, social media, 
one thing I'm not great at these days is, is social media. That's a, that's an area of growth that I have. And I think that that's, that's fallen off um, over the last probably, I don't know, six or so months because things get, things get really busy and um, it's, it's not a bad thing to, to keep up with that. Yeah. It's a piece of, <laughs> it's a piece of owning my own business that I wish didn't have to exist. Right. <laughs> so I, I, uh, I had an intern for a little while that was helping me out with some of that stuff and it helped me to stay consistent, but it's a, it's a piece I wish I didn't have to do. Cause I would rather just like put my phone down and just like engage, mm-hmm. you know, connect with people face to face, but I know it's an important piece to help get information out to people.